Well, today is the last day in our series called What a Life, and we've been talking about post-Easter, post-resurrection life. Today we're going to talk about what it means to love and be loved. We're going to do that by looking at Ephesians. Usually I have you open up your Bible and follow along with me, but we're looking at two very short verses today, so I would just invite you to listen now for the word of the Lord. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together and we'll study that word. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. As always, help us do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. A couple months ago, I had the opportunity to meet a young man named Dwayne. I'm not as good as I used to be at guessing ages. It used to be down here in Florida, I could assume that everybody was older than me. But I've gotten a little bit older myself, and I'm pretty sure Dwayne was on the other side of where I am. So I'm guessing that he's somewhere between 24 and 28 years old. I also don't really know a whole lot about him. His main line of work is construction. I know that. He smiles a lot. His hands are permanently stained from dirt and wood. And I know that he spends his weekends working with special needs kids. I'm not sure that he knows Jesus or follows him, but Dwayne has a pretty amazing handle on love. Think about all of the things that a young man of that age who spends his entire work week doing physical intensive labor might choose to do with his free time on the weekends. Think about how you have approached your weekends over the years. On many occasions, I've heard somebody say, I can't wait for the weekend. After this week, I'm just going to sleep in, sit around, and veg out. Who willingly says, after this long work week, I'll spend my weekend changing the diapers of a 16-year-old and playing the same game over and over and over again for hours and feeding somebody who can't feed themselves. Who says that? Somebody who has great capacity to love others and loves doing such compassionate work. As I said, today is the last day in this series of What a Life, and we've been looking at ways that we live our life post-resurrection, post-Easter. And Jesus revealed to his followers that, that we would have an abundant life with opportunities to be grateful and to show our gratitude, that there would be times of trouble and persecution. But to fully live, to fully live that life that Jesus has promised us and has demonstrated for us, we need to know something. We need to know that we're loved. And we need to let that love spill over to everyone that we come in contact with. Paul writes in Ephesians, Therefore, be imitators of God. Don't be God. Be imitators of God as beloved children. That's our first identity, that we're beloved children. And live in love as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So in this post-resurrection life, we're called to be imitators 
of God and live in love because we've had the experience ourselves of being beloved children. Let's talk about that. That that part's first because it's fundamental to who we are and what we believe. We are beloved children of God. We're wanted by God. That's why we're here in the first place, because he created us. He made us. He wanted us. None of us, not a single one of us, was an afterthought or a mistake. We are loved, and we are provided for. We are cared about. We have been forgiven and sacrificed for, even when we totally didn't deserve it. That's the relationship that we're called to imitate. The relationship that God has with each one of us personally, a relationship of grace and mercy and most especially, most especially love. Which sounds good, but what did God do that we need to imitate? We need to know God in order to imitate what God did for us. And the way that we know God is through Christ. And Christ, Scripture says, loved us and gave himself up for us. Well, we get that part. We get that part about that giving himself up for us. That's why we're here post-resurrection. But how did Jesus go about loving us? Well, the first step in that was that he got to know us. We exist in a world where it is so easy, so easy to ignore people. You do it every day. I do it every day. It is easy to ignore the person sitting right next to us. Because most of the time, we don't want to expend our time or energy to get to know somebody. Because you know what happens when you get to know somebody? Then you have to care about them. And then you care about them, and that takes up your time. And then there's investment, and it doesn't get, it doesn't get easier. So what we say is, you know what, I, I just can't get involved. Just, just can't. And we do it. We do it all the time. We do it every day. We see somebody struggling, but we don't ask because, truthfully, we don't want to know. Because if we know, then we might have to respond, and we do not want to do that. But Jesus did. He wanted to know all about us, even stuff that we don't particularly want to share. Remember there's that story of Jesus and the woman at the well, and she had the five husbands, and the man that that she was sleeping with wasn't her husband? She didn't tell Jesus that. That's not something you go running around town bragging to everybody about. Jesus already knew, and yet... He still spoke to her, and he still entered into her reality and into her story, and he recognized that she was a person who still mattered. And the crazy part about this very specific example is the incredible level of inconvenience that Jesus went to just to let her, her, this sinner, know how precious and how loved she was. When we've talked about this story in the past in this church, I always make it a point to remind everybody that Jesus had to make a radical departure from point A to point B 
to get to point C where she was. I'm not talking about like a 15-minute little diversion off the interstate here. I'm talking about days out of his way to go and see this woman. If you're going to be an imitator of Christ, then you have got to understand that when it comes to love, you are going to be inconvenienced. There is no way around this. Because it's easy to love somebody when they're lovable, right? That's so easy. When they're low maintenance and they don't require a whole lot of effort, when they don't impede on our schedule and our routine, that's, that's why it's always interesting to me to talk with couples who are about to get married. And you talk to them about what does the for better or for worse part mean in marriage? And if the worst thing that they can think of is whether or not their future spouse is going to get the cap back on the toothpaste, I, I know they're in trouble. I know this. If you take a walk around any assisted living facility or, or nursing home in this community, you are going to find spouses who stay vigilantly by their loved one's side, and they feed them, and they bathe them, and they care for them, even when the person receiving that care doesn't know the name of the person caring for them. And some of these people, some of these couples, have existed like this for months, and some for years. We have couples in our own church who are exactly like that. That is not easy. It is not. And then, at least in their case, they, they kind of know the person. They have that relationship with them going into it. But what about the inconvenience of the unknown? That's why a lot of us don't want to get involved with people because there's too many unknowns out there. And you start messing with the unknowns and, and, and then you could be really, truly inconvenienced. But how can you love somebody that you don't even know? You can't. I mean, not really. That's, that's why you can't claim to love God if you know nothing about him, if, if you don't spend time in his word or in his presence through prayer. If you say that you believe in God, but you don't have a relationship with God outside of an hour here or there on a Sunday morning, that's like saying, well, gosh, you love Atlanta because you got stuck there on a layover at the airport one time on your way to someplace else. So if you can't love a God that you don't really know, how can you claim to love others that you probably don't really know all that well either? And this comes in so many forms. And this is where, this is where in our country right now things are getting pretty restless because we're so divisive right now. And we're so uneasy, and, and, and in order to get across some things, you got to go through some economic and racial and geographic lines if, if you're going to love people. When I served a congregation in Philadelphia, we had an extremely, extremely diverse congregation. When our session, our leadership team would get together, you'd think we were at a meeting of the many United Nations. And I had this elder, precious elder, who I thought I loved deeply, that I loved well. 
She was on the pastor nominating committee that had brought me to the church. She'd been the chair of the personnel team and, and the session the entire time I was the pastor. She was my biggest cheerleader, my best prayer warrior. Her sister, her brother-in-law were members of the church, and so was her daughter and her son-in-law. I loved Florence, loved her. And then her daughter had a baby, sweet, beautiful little girl, and they asked me to baptize her. And I got to tell you, friends, there are few things in life that are better than being asked to baptize someone's child. And so I jumped at the opportunity. It was going to be an amazing day. And then out of nowhere, Florence's sister, Mary, invited me to the family reception at her house following church that Sunday. And at first, I wanted to go. But then, I didn't want to go. See, once I accepted the invitation to come, Mary starts going on and on about all the traditions that they're going to observe that day at the party and and all this food that they're going to have and All of a sudden, it hit me that as much as I thought that I loved Florence, I didn't really know a whole lot about her. And what I didn't know seemed really overwhelming and extremely far outside of my comfort zone. So this is probably a good time to tell you that Florence, Mary, and the whole family, they were born and raised in Montego Bay, Jamaica. I'd never been there. I've never had any experience with that. Like every other country in the world, Jamaicans have a language of their own. And when they get together, and I think Jordan and Andrea would attest to this, they are just as loud and just as boisterous as any Italian Thanksgiving that I have ever been to. But the biggest challenge for me, and what created the most anxiety in my heart going into this, was the food. Because I am not an adventurous eater by any stretch of the imagination. And Jamaican food is full of flavor and full of adventure. Two things that I know nothing about. Before I made it through the threshold of the front door, Mary is pushing me to the front of the buffet line. Worst place you can ever be is the front of the buffet line because you don't know what you're getting yourself into and nobody's in front of you to set the standard. And so Mary's got me up there, and she is heaping this enormous amount of unknown food onto my plate, and the next several hours were just this whirlwind of activity, and things are beginning to die down, and I'm three and a half hours into this reception. Friends, I've never been to a three and a half hour baptismal reception. And Florence gets up to make a speech, and I'm thinking, we are in the home stretch now. We're, we're going to wrap this thing up. We're going home. And, and I thought that she was going to talk about what it's like to be a first-time grandma and, and how proud she was about being the grandma. And, and that's not what she was going to talk about. Instead, she decides to get up and she's like, I'd like to welcome Pastor Hope to our family. And then she started to pray. And she prayed some more. And she prayed some more. And there was some more praying. And we hit that four-hour mark and she was still going. I thought... I thought that I loved Florence. I really, really did. Because it had been so easy, so easy to love her when I just had to go to the back of the church and give her a hug on Sunday mornings. 
when she was that elder who was always there to back me up and encourage me, when she was that member of the church that never, ever, ever interrupted a day off or a vacation or even so much as an evening. I thought that I loved her well until I was faced with a four-hour baptismal reception and some very loud and very excited people speaking a language that I didn't understand eating foods that I could not identify. And I dreaded everything about that day because it was so far outside of my comfort zone. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, that was the day that love grew. It wasn't the day that, that Florence and I first met, and it wasn't those days when I gave her a hug at the end of the church service. That was the day that love grew because that's the day, that's the day after four years that I got to see Florence's heart. And I got to see all those things that make her heart sing. And from that day on, I could love her deeply because I knew the place from which she came. Now, friends, we can go a whole lifetime and not deeply love others if we are not willing to inconvenience ourselves, push ourselves, and get ourselves outside of our comfort zone. Inconvenience, of course, is a symptom of something much larger, and that's sacrifice. Jesus showed his love for us by giving himself up. What do you give up for others? Let's, let's really think about that for a second. Is it something of substance, something of, of sacrifice that you give up for others? Let's think of something as simple as a canned food drive. I know you probably haven't done it in a long time, but imagine that you go into your pantry and you find two cans. One is cream corn, which is delicious and which you like to eat. The other can is stewed beets, and they expired three months ago because you hate stewed beets, and doesn't everyone? Now, you know, you know which one goes into the food drive, but you also know that you love cream corn. So off go the expired beets, and in your mind, you're thinking, well, I'm not actually going to see the person, and I don't have to live their life, and I'm not going to be invested in it. And quite frankly, they should just be lucky that they have something to eat. That's a, that's a tough one to sit with, isn't it? Or how about this? How about your time? Because you can always make more money, but you can't always make more time. That's something we've all got a limited amount of. So you have a friend, and, and they need help. They have a doctor's appointment at a certain time, and they need a ride. But it conflicts with your weekly tennis game, which while fun and enjoyable, is not absolutely necessary. Most folks are not willing to make that kind of sacrifice. Yes, I'll take you to the doctor, but it's going to have to come after my 3.30. Or I'll take you to the doctor, but um, could you do it on a different day? Because tennis, big match, you know how it is. And let's be honest about this. Giving up a tennis match isn't exactly imitating Christ giving up his life for us anyway. But still, very few of us would make such a nominal sacrifice. Paul says that when Christ, that when Christ gave his sacrifice, it was, fragrant, it was a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Have you ever thought about what kind of fragrance your love gives off? 
is it, is it a pure, clean fragrance like linen, like towels coming out of the dryer or, or out in the sunshine or gardenias? Or, or is your fragrance a little more fishy? You know, kind of questionable. Should we eat it? Should we not eat it? Concerning. The fragrance that, that you give off is a reflection of the quality of the love that you profess. So as long as your nose is working, it will be a great barometer for how well your heart is working as well. Friends, God has given us this abundant life. We can enjoy it with gratitude, and even in the face of trouble, we, are, we have it abundantly. But if we go, if we go through this life without genuine love, deep love, then we have not imitated Christ. And instead, we've embraced the ways of the world, a world where we barely know each other, a world that smells like old, dirty gym socks. But if we love each other with mindful intent, deep relationships, sacrifice for one another, then the life that we'll have will smell perhaps a little bit more like, like curried goat and Jamaican jerk chicken, which I've got to tell you is actually quite wonderful. To God be the glory, now and forevermore. Amen.